and welcome to the Court of Nerds Maincast, the only podcast that records on a semi-monthly basis that was supposed to be recorded weekly. I don't know. Uh, I am hosting tonight uh, Sledge. Uh, people often call me Kevin, but my sledgy persona uh, persists through. I am joined tonight with Marjorie Steele in the great white north of Michigan. Uh, and uh, Greg Aronica, uh, the West Coast Avenger, uh, who is, I'm s- assuming it's sunny in California, because isn't it always? Uh, actually, it rained today, believe it or not. I thought it was mm. always sunny in Philadelphia. Ah. Uh, yeah, it's I'll, true. I'll input a rim shot. Uh, <laughs> so let's start with drinks, uh, because uh, that is partially why I'm here. Uh, you, you took a slug of something there, Greg. What did you, what did you drink? Uh, I am drinking, I, I have, this is my last one, uh, it is my Camino Brewing Company uh, N120 Pilsner, it's so good, it's just a good beer, um, just delightful, and I, I got it I got it mailed to me, because of course you, you just get everything mailed to you now, it's, it's the best thing. Especially brides. Uh, Marjorie, uh, what are you pulling on? Oh, you know, I am just imbibing my anti-inflammatory turmeric tea because uh, I am actually an old woman in the body of a 35-year-old woman, (laughs) and I'm smoking cigarettes because cigarettes, they make you feel nice all the time. Uh, Best thing for respiration since COVID. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, well, it's the I, end of the world. Smoke down, kids. <laughs> Smoke them if you got them. Uh, I am drinking a limited release by Clown Shoes uh, called Cashed Up Bogan. And mm, uh, so there pretty. is a funny story. It's It involves three platypuses in a trench coat. Uh but it is a double IPA with Australian hops, and we're gonna take this guy for a ride. Your labels are always so pretty, Kevin. Oh Jesus Christ, that is delicious. Uh, so while I imbibe some more of this, uh, Greg, uh, you've you've been doing some gaming lately, haven't you? I have been. Uh, the game I've been playing is. Uh a little game by the developer of Skullgirls called Indivisible. Now, this is a uh, kind of turn-based RPG. It is an RPG where the it has two elements to it. There's the combat, which is kind of like Valkyrie Profile. I don't mm. know if you remember that game. Absolutely. Where each character is mapped to a specific button on the, key, on the, uh, the, the keypad. And then... Um, there's platforming segments that are kind of Metroidvania-like, where in each area you gain an ability, and that ability allows you to reach a new area in previous areas. Or it's it's all there's like secrets around each map. Um, the enemies are all extremely interestingly designed. It has a kind of uh, I, if you know Skullgirls, it's that st- same style of art where it is hyper cartoony. But it's cartoony in a really, really interesting sort of way. Um, the, the, is every it single... also sexy and violent at the same time and slightly grotesque? Yes. Yeah, yeah. actually. It's it's less grotesque. It, it's actually more based on, um, on Indian mythology, which is kind Ooh. of what makes this so cool. It's like Hindu mythology. Y- right. Exactly. So, so like um, Shiva and Kali and Vishnu and the Brahma main... and shit? Yes, yeah, so the main evil in the world is Kala, and uh, the the main character is is kind of like a a, a kid from the country who kind of ends up in this situation that she didn't know that she was going to be in, and yeah, no, it's it's so cool, and like there there's like this whole like there's like a martial arts thing undercurrent on top of it, and. The characters are amazing. There's like a, a, a witch doctor from the middle of the or a witch from the middle of the woods that you pick up. Uh, her name's Razmi, and she is just wants everything set on fire. She has like she has a, like a, a tiger on her head, and everything is. She's like, oh well, that's kind of boring. Why don't we just set it on fire? It, it's so great. Ooh, yeah, that's spectacular. And then, 
like legitimately if you can play it on 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 switch you should because the game is just so delightful the writing is really good it's very well voice acted matt mercer is in the game um this was actually it was a kickstarted game apparently and uh it's it's finally got released this year and i i am just loving every second of it that i've played it's really hard but man it's fun hmm uh speaking of hard games that are fun uh i've been playing some street fighter 4 uh yeah. and for whatever reason i decided to actually get it on the switch instead of like playstation or xbox uh, and I did that primarily so I could play with some friends, as and my idea was that I could convince them to buy it. That hasn't happened yet. Uh, but uh, I will say this, if you have played the first three Street Fighter games, which were all in the original Sega Genesis, it is uh, in the vein of Dungeons, or Dungeons and Dragons, listen to me, uh, Double Dragon. Uh, you know, you're talking it, about Streets of Rage, not Street Fighter. I want to make sure that that's clarified. Did did I did I totally say Street Fighter? Yes. <laughs> Ooh. All right. Uh, we'll fix it in post, Kevin. You're no, fine. no, we're probably not going to. So I meant <laughs> we're street, doing it live. Uh, uh, I meant Streets of Rage, not Street Fighter. Who? Uh, so the original that's it. nerd card revoked. Yep. Mm-hmm. Uh, the original Streets of Rage uh, had uh, three characters, uh, Axel, Adam, and Blaze, uh, go and they were like, uh, you know, renegade cops that were fighting, you know, the system and, you know, went and took down the evil syndicate boss, Mr. X. Uh, and, you know, then the second one came in, out and Adam got captured and you got to play as his little brother, Skate. Uh, who was, you know, all rad and stuff and had inline skates and stuff like that. Then the third one came out, and it was uh, one of the uh, games that was actually a 24-bit game on the 16-bit Sega Genesis. They had that little expansion uh, on top of it. Uh, and you got to play as a boxing kangaroo. Uh, and it just got more and more ridiculous. And that was kind of, we thought it was going to be the end, you know, there's been a revival of these type of brawler games. And I must say, the artwork in this is exquisite. Mm. The gameplay feels like you're playing it on a Genesis. Uh, the And that can also be good and bad because the gameplay mechanics are kind of old. Uh, but it's also kind of tough. And once you complete a stage, it gives you that really good feeling. But the story of this is, instead of Mr. X, there's now Syndicate Y. And they are, slight spoiler, uh, trying to control the population of the city with sound waves. And, uh, yeah. And one of the... Oh my god, this is so late 80s, it's amazing. I'm looking at the uh, the artwork right now. Oh my goodness, is it ever. And the soundtrack is... It is electronic synthwave... It is amazing. Uh, the I heard that a lot of the uh, the soundtrack is like remixes of some of the older uh, music. Absolutely. Uh, there's even the iconic uh, ending from Streets of Rage 2, uh, which has the saxophone in it, uh, which took up so much space on a cartridge, like the audio fidelity of that. And you can tell when they ran out of space because they just kind of ended the song and they went da 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 da. But anyway, I, I digress. Uh, the game is mechanically it is solid. Uh, it's a lot of fun to play. You unlock characters as you go through a story mode. Uh, you can play with your friends online. There is a battle mode, so you can just do fisticuffs and stuff with other people. Uh, so it's kind of just like you're uh, a 2D fighter uh, in that situation. I will say my favorite character uh, that has come out is Adam's daughter, uh, and she carries a an electric guitar. Uh, so yes, oh yes, and her power moves are uh, she rocks out really hard and knocks people away, uh, or she you know hits them with her guitar, and she also will climb on people's heads and start punching them on their head. Uh, so, uh, she's kind of my favorite character to play as, uh, Axel is, you know, the main character, 
you know, the blonde white dude, he's probably my least favorite because he's not that great and his moves are all the same. Uh, anyway, uh, if you got $25 and you got any of the major councils, uh, pick up Streets of Rage 4. It's a good time. Kevin, are we friends on uh, Nintendo Switch? Because if we're not, I will buy this game and I will play it with you. We we will have to do that because I have failed to convince not only my brother-in-law, uh, but uh, his soon-to-be wife uh, as well, uh, who both have Switch. And we have Mario Kart nights and stuff where we play with each other. It's like, you know, guys, we could be playing Streets of Rage. Pass. Okay. <laughs> I used to love old school beat 'em ups, man. Huh? Yeah, I'm totally down. Like the the old the uh the Ninja Turtles beat 'em up. What was it? Uh uh Oh god, what the hell was it? Shell Turtles in Time. That Turtles was in Time. Turtles in Time was amazing. There there was a lot of other great like and these are all like arcade ports because these were the arcade yep. games back in the day like uh you know, the X-Men game, the original I was just thinking game. of the X-Men uh, yeah, Captain America and the yeah. Avengers. Uh, Bucky O'Hare. Bucky O'Hare was one of my favorites. And have you got uh, okay? Input the Bucky O'Hare sound drop. Did you have you guys seen the Bucky O'Hare cartoon? No, I haven't. So back in the eighties, uh, they or sorry, it had to have been early nineties. Might might have been ninety one. Uh, they made a uh, like thirteen episode of Bucky O'Hare the cartoon, uh, and it had I still remember the theme song. Uh, you know. It, it was. It was very. Are you gonna hip- sing it to us? <clears throat> when the righteous indignation has suffered a hit, and your proton accelerator's broken a bit, and when you're losing your mind and you're having a fit, who's the funky fresh rabbit that could take care of it, dudes? That was amazing. Nicely <laughs> done. And so, yeah. Bucky! Captain Bucky O'Hare. Anyway, uh, that was my jam uh, as a child. Uh, and quite frankly, it's still my jam now. Uh, so as I let's move away from one uh, TV show to another. Marjorie, what have you been watching? Oh, you know, some random things. Uh, so I picked up The Gospel of Midnight uh, recently, which was a recent Netflix drop. Um I really had no choice but to watch this because, of course, it is co-produced by Pendleton Ward, the creator of Adventure Time, Um, the epic 10-season saga with literally hundreds of episodes, hundreds of episodes, also the creator of the the Adventure Time comic series. There's a full comic series. Um, And, you know, if you... I I know Adventure Time uh, is marketed as a kid's show, um, it's it's so not it's it's so rich and what has really amazed my husband and I as of course you know our girls also love Adventure Time but it's very much a family affair um, the canon is so incredibly consistent with with itself but anyway Pendleton Ward clearly has uh, tapped into uh, I don't know if it's micro dosing or if he's been doing heroic doses but he has <laughs> tapped into some truths from the universe so. Uh, the the uh, Gospel of Midnight is uh, animated and, and story told by Pendleton Ward, but it is uh, co-produced with Duncan Trussell, which if your Duncan Trussell is like a, I would say, B or C grade um, kind of stand up comedian. But people most know Duncan Trussell for being besties with Joe Rogan, uh, the very US, UFC fighter turned famous podcaster, uh, alt journalist. Um or however we would describe him. The podcaster, Joe Rogan. Joe, it's entirely possible, Rogan. Yes. <laughs> right, yes. Joe, uh, hey, government, please tell me your secrets. I won't tell them to anyone, I promise. Rogan. Uh, yeah, anyway, Duncan Trussell is a bestie of his and um, is is very much known for his kind of spirituality, you know, very into psychedelics, very into experimental astral projection. So anyway, The Gospel of Midnight is um, is a series of uh, interviews, podcast interviews that Duncan has done, and some of the interview subjects, and they're basically set to Pendleton Ward's, you know, animations and storytelling. Um, and some of his interviewees throughout the series, that there's, uh, there's eight episodes in the series, so not too many. Uh, Anne Lamott, um, who's obviously a famous writer. Hers was incredible. Uh, Caitlin Dowdy, 
who uh, one of my students brought to my attention a couple semesters ago. She is uh, the she's the expert on what happens to you when you die on YouTube. Um, she's very much an advocate for like natural death processing, like not no chemical burials, um, kind of getting in touch with your birth and very much about removing your fear of mortality. Fascinating interviews. Ram Das is another one of his interviewees. Um, and it's, it's really, I, I'm going to be totally honest with you. My overview, my, my kind of conclusion of the series is it's fantastic. It, I'm so glad that it exists. It's necessary for it to exist. Um, it's clearly the result of two things that weren't meant to be together, pushed together into one. Um, I, I think that it, it's six, I don't think that it's unsuccessful. I think that it certainly pales in comparison to Pendleton Ward's Adventure Time, um, that being said, I was kind of gearing myself up to have this opinion of the series as I'm going through until I reach episode eight, in which um, Duncan kicks everyone in the balls by interviewing his mom, who uh, at the time of the interview was dying from stage four something cancer. I can't remember. Um, and this comes out through halfway through the interview, which Pendleton Ward is just gloriously, beautifully illustrating as his mom just dropping by uh, through the universe, projecting herself through the universe and dropping by to have a conversation with him and taking him through when he was a baby and as a child. And eventually they both become planets and they get sucked into a black hole as they come to the conclusion of their conversation where they're talking about death and the necessity of it and she's talking about how you know ultimately it's a beautiful release and and it's you know necessary to part of life and he's like but not you and she's like yeah well you're just saying that because i'm your mama um and duncan trussell is crying and it's yeah i am crying now just thinking about it because i have a parent that i lost to cancer um, so yeah, it was, it was really, really, really impactful. So, uh, yeah, Duncan Trussell, Pendleton Ward, some crazy shenanigans, you know, Ramdas, if you like weird ideas and talking about death and spirituality, it's definitely worth a watch. And if you're excited for Adventure Time to maybe you want a little bit more Adventure Time, remember that, uh... Adventure Time Distant Lands is dropping on HBO Max uh, when HBO Max drops later this month. I did not know that. And uh, the, the, the main character is Bimo. Yeah. <gasps> is it a prequel or sequel? Do we know? No idea. I think it might be a sequel, but it's all like it's it's all space based. So it's mm -hmm. all hyper sci fi as opposed to being more it's grounded a, it's in the it's not like, an evil tropes. Yeah. yeah, yeah, so it's not a new it's out in space. Yeah, no, I don't yes. I don't underestimate Pendleton's ability to keep canon consistency and to yet constantly reinvent the stories is just it's it's nothing like nothing I've ever seen. It's amazing. That's and incredible. honestly, at this point, I think that's the only show that HBO Max has actually put out or advertised that I'm excited to watch. Mm. I'm not getting HBO Max specifically because I have way too many streaming services. <laughs> uh, so I'll get the free trial to watch it and then cancel. There you go. So you, once once the season is over, I'll just get the mm -hmm. free trial and watch it for 30 days. You you have <laughs> HBO Go now, right? Or I do HBO have HBO now. Go. Yeah. Okay. Or, so I, like, don't. I, th I think it's I think it's like five bucks more if you want so, to no, upgrade. Uh, if I remember right, HBO Go is. Um, HBO Go is what's bundled with an already existing bundle. HBO account. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, not not a non HBO account. It's like a Comcast account. It's something that's bundled along with like a Comcast account or something. It's and what then, I got. Yeah. And then HBO Now, now. is the standalone subscription. I don't know why the fuck did they do they have now it's gonna be three. There's gonna no, be three. They're gonna have three. Well, technically service. four because you can always subscribe to it through your cable company as well. I'm uh, so confused right now. Uh, oh okay, yeah. So Real quick story. Long time ago, I went to um, an HBO event in San Francisco, and I got to meet a couple of people at at this this big event. I'm not going to say who they are, but I happened to ask them at the time. I said, "So why, oh my God, you're why so are cool. there?" <laughs> I was like, "So why are there two at the time? Why is there HBO Go and why is there HBO Now?" And he said, "Oh, well, it makes sense. It's it's one is this and one is this." And I said, "Well, why isn't it branded as the exact same service?" And he goes, "Because they're not the same service." I said, "Okay." <laughs> But why aren't they branded as the same thing? Why are there two different ones? And he goes, I don't 
I don't understand. <laughs> I'm like, because uh, one of them is, I, I understand that they're two different services, but why would you say, well, this one is specifically for that? Why couldn't you just smash them together? I, I, why? I can, I can tell you why. Because the parent company is AT&T. And, and they AT don't know how to do anything right, yeah. And A&T, AT&T, I mean, they, they just, they now have a new CEO. Uh, uh, such and such person who came over, I believe, from Warner Media, which they own. Uh, and the the problem is everything they touch, they mess up. Mm -hmm. All right. Uh, this is what I think is going on with HBO Max. Now, I am actually kind of excited about Max uh, because you will, I mean, crunchy all the Crunchyroll editions. I will be very excited to just add on. You know, mm -hmm. but I, and I think this is a good segue to a, a topic we were, we were, you know, thinking about talking about is like the the streaming services and everything. Everybody's coming out with their own streaming service, including like NBC, you know, which uh, Peacock. Yeah, which is Comcast, uh, as well as, you know, Universal Studios. They have their own streaming service now. And. Uh, during the pandemic, they've just decided, well, you know, we're just going to start releasing movies, you know, uh, on our streaming services. Uh, we will release them early. And that breaks the contract with numerous theaters uh, like Regal or Hoyt's and stuff like that. And mm -hmm. I think it was Regal Cinemas. It's like, we will never we will not play a universal movie, you know, you know, at all until, you know, that. And, you know, it's like, sure, you're not going to play Fast and Furious 9, right, okay. Well, I think AMC had the exact same reaction. They said, hey, you guys putting Trolls World Tour totally puts us in the lurch. We're never going to run your movies ever again. Okay, well, you're going to lose money. Like, this, this business model is not set up so that you, AMC, are going to make money. It never was. Yeah. And the, the whole, uh, this was, there was a fear, you know, back in the 90s, uh, of, you know, VHS. And VHS was going to be the death of the cinema. You know, nobody's going to go to the cinema and watch movies. And, it, you know, there was a bunch of movie theater consolidation that took place. And guess what? Movie theaters didn't die. Uh, they adapted. You know, and they, they kind of, they did special screenings. They, they figured out ways to get people there uh, other than, you know, just... <laughs> it's making people pay a ton of money at the concession stand. Mm -hmm. uh, movie theaters need to adapt again. And what's kind of happening here in my neck of the woods is drive-in theaters are mm -hmm. becoming a thing again. Oh, yeah, yeah, mm -hmm. here in Michigan, too. And you see people, uh, and there, there used to be just these kind of, like, odd events where you just go and you tailgate and they project it on a barn, but now the movie theaters are actually getting, they, they have land, they got big screens and they got nice projectors out, uh, and they will have uh, the Apple Cinema here. Uh, you know, has concession people on roller skates skating up to you and you're just like taking your order through the window. You know, it's that sounds baller. I it is. Go, I want to go to there right now. It's and here's the thing: it's constantly sold out. Like you can't you as soon as tickets become available. And the problem is the movies showings and stuff. It's like there's two movie showings. It's like 6 p.m. and like you know 10 p.m. You know, and you can buy a ticket for both, or you could buy the early. The early movie is for the kids, and then the later movie is for the adults and stuff like that. You could buy tickets to both of them if you wanted, but you know they. The the problem is is there's just not enough space right now mm -hmm. to do that so i'm you're, you're seeing more and more pop up in the in the smaller towns around filling that niche mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. we currently only have one drive-in theater in san jose or in the south bay area it's west wind capital drive-in that's literally the only one um, the next closest one is in concord which is an hour and a half drive away without traffic so you really don't have any options here for going to drive-in theaters, but that is the next logical step in a post-COVID world sure. is drive-in theaters are going to be a lot more common and a lot more in demand. But this business model of 
you know, paying a, uh, uh, you know, it, it, you know, showing showing movies in a closed in theater with people sitting very close together. And, I, you know, I'll say it. Movie theaters aren't exactly the most clean places in the world. No, uh, no. I, it's 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 just not a business model that works right now and might not work going forward. But drive-in theaters definitely would. That is the loophole. It's because you don't have people that are crammed together. You have cars of families. I find it very hard to believe that the 15-year-old, you know, boy going through puberty uh, who's got, you know, covered in greasy pimples is not hygienic in cleaning the movie theater. I feel bad for these kids, you know, and, and, and it's not even just kids at work at some of these places. I feel bad for, you know, the adults that are trying to make a career out of it and they're getting paid dirt cheap wages. If you were getting paid minimum wage in a job in an area where you can't afford that and that's the only job that you can get, are you really going to care too much about cleanliness? Well, this is, the retail, I, this is the retail environment of razor thin margins of the world that exactly. we operate in, isn't it? Where, you know, the... the yeah, all the shit rolls downhill to the workers. Uh, in in my perfect Pollyanna world, yeah, I drive in theaters, and it, it it is funny because up until recently they were you know a thing of the past, but um, I, you know up we've been we've been quarantining up north with my mom right, and uh, <laughs> they have their local downtown movie theater has gone th- has changed hands many times even just since I was in high school up there, and uh, but it's finally gotten local ownership. And it's been really, you know, supportive. And, you know, my mom's always been. Anyway, the bottom line is uh, the community has been rallying behind them. They've been selling popcorn, like just like like drive through, like, you know, stop by, pick up at the car, like curbside pickup popcorn just to keep the lights on, like $10 bags of popcorn. And like they sell out of it. People are people are eating that shit up literally. And I see, I don't know, post-COVID world, I see my in my Pollyanna world, I'd love to see all of the, all of the, you know, big corporate monoliths, the AMC, the Regent, you know, the celebration, uh, not be able to sustain because they have all of their overhead wrapped up in, you know, massive brick and mortar while the small mom and pop shops and maybe even old, you know, derelict theaters start getting dusted. The wealthy street theater here in Grand Rapids. Um, you know, the independent theaters that don't only have to show new movies that can show new cult classics, right? Um, I would love to see an era where movie theaters become a, a place where you don't necessarily go to see new movies, but you go to see, you know, maybe old classics or something more, you know, themed like that on, that's on the de- demand of the community. I don't know. A lot of theaters have been doing or had been doing that for a while. You remember, too, they also had Fathom events, which I thought were really interesting, which was... Uh, n- not necessarily a a movie that you would go and see. Some of them were movies that were only shown. They were like limited release films that were like anime films Mm -hmm. uh, coming out Mm -hmm. of Japan. So an example would be Your Name when it came out a couple of years ago. Still to this day, one of the best anime movies I have ever seen. Um, But they would also show like classic sporting events or Broadway musicals or other big events that really benefit from sitting in a closed space, watching on a giant screen. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It, it just is really cool. The interesting thing about selling popcorn is that popcorn is so cheap to make, too, right. that they're making a huge profit on just popcorn sales alone. So that's a really genius idea, I think. Yeah, no, I, I hope that it works and they can keep the lights on, because, yeah. Well, even even so, like, yes, the, the retail uh, system has changed, and the man... There is only one or two people ever working at the movie, and this is pre-COVID, like the movie theater it's around me. It's like because you buy the tickets from a kiosk, you know, you go in. There's not even anybody taking tickets, you know. Like, you could literally just walk in there and then go walk into a movie if you wanted, you know. As we've all discussed at the theater <laughs> yeah. many times. You, you could just do that. Uh, it's, you know, just the integrity of the public at large. And there's the person behind the concession stand, you know, right. and typically even then you order on a kiosk. Uh, and here's the wonderful thing. They just give you a bucket where I'm at and it's self-serve popcorn. And so oh, and you fun. get to, you get to mix, you get to pick 
the type of butter, the flavor of butter. So if you want garlic butter on your popcorn, you press the button, you know, you get the garlic butter. Do you want extra salt? You put the extra salt and it, you know, shakes it and sticks and you <gasps> press it in. It's, it's really kind of cool. Uh, but at the same time, there's nobody else there. Like, yeah. You know, we have we have an AMC theater uh, in well, we have a ton of theaters in the Bay Area, but like AMC is one of the ones that's closest to me. And they have they actually employ a pretty large number of people who are uh, disabled or who have other special needs, which I think is really, really cool. Um, You know, allowing them to have jobs. Fantastic. Not every place would do that. Um, So I think that if if they went under, we would you know, that's that's not really good for that for that community at all is as well. So I don't know. So the takeaway here is, uh, dear listeners, uh, support your local theaters and, uh, maybe ask them to start trying to do drive-ins. Uh, Mm -hmm. maybe even like projecting something on the side of their building. Just get just white canvas, drop it down on the brick, you know, and use that giant parking lot that nobody is in right now. Yeah. You know, and uh, workers seize the means of production. Proletariat oh, wait, we're, we're, I didn't want to get too socialist here. Sorry. <laughs> uh, no, pro- no, I'm I'm happy to bust out my Emma Goldman if we're if we're gonna go. With it. <laughs> Religion is the opiate of the masses. Um, anyway, uh, moving along, uh, we were talking to more like community ownership and stuff like that. There is this show that recently came back to Netflix uh, called. Community. Community. Uh, and uh, I have a feeling that two of the three of us have been watching it in earnest. And I am v- the the one holdout has been is like, I know as soon as I start watching it again, it's just going to be another marathon session. Uh, so please uh, convince me that uh, I should do this. OK, first thing, Greg. Oh, my God. The paintball episodes were even better than I than you remembered them, right? Right. Yeah. <laughs> like <laughs> you thought that they couldn't hold up to you. Right. You thought that they couldn't hold up to your memories, but they were even better than you remembered them. Yep. Oh my yep. God, Abed and Annie and the Star Wars bit, and they're covered in red paint. And he's kissing, and then the bit's over, and she's like, <gasps> Oh, I just so many things. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I love the episodes where, and this is where the show really, really shines, is when they decide they're going to do a spin on a classic movie trope. Oh, so dinner, my in, dinner with Andre. What the frick, and, man? And that they managed to make a 30 minute Pulp Fiction at the same time. Yeah, right? So I totally just smacked my microphone. That's how excited I was about that. <laughs> I'm sorry, I'm screaming into my microphone. Apologies. It's totally okay. So, like, and then there was the episode in uh, in season five where they did the David Fincher style thing, and it was the mystery of uh, of the Ass Crack Bandit. Yeah. Like, oh, oh, oh my god. What the hell? This this show is so great when it's being meta and. Dan Harmon was a genius Absolutely when genius. he was doing a lot of these. Did you know, okay, I, I forget which season it was, but when they did the Civil War pillows and blankets for it. Yes, when, that was be, in season just before, three. Season three, just before yeah. Donald, Donald, Donald Glover. Glover. Dung Glover, yeah. Donald Glover, yeah. I always I always say a different actor that I will say at some point. Um, yeah, when he Childish went, Gambino, <laughs> it's same thing, yeah. <laughs> yeah, just before he was leaving... Um, and he and Abed were having a fight. So that episode is done all like Ken Burns style. Do you know why? No. The studio told them no on another epic fight scene. They were like, it costs too much money. Our ratings are too bad. You can't have the money. And so they were like, okay, well, we'll just do it. Well, like, but what if we do still photography style? And they were like, oh, just still photos. Okay. Yeah, that's fine. That's why it's done that way, because that was the only way that they could get the budget approved. Yeah, that's, and, and, that's amazing. And, you know, Dan Harmon's commentary on that was the challenges of the show were what made it, right? Like, mm-hmm. those things that we had to work around were what made it so fantastic. And you can feel it. Oh, yeah. So so here's here's the pitch, Kevin. Um, this is a, uh, a mid-2000s comedy run by... Uh, Dan Harmon, the uh, the muse who created Rick and Morty, if you are a Rick and Morty fan, uh, in his prime. Mm-hmm. So this is a TV show about a bunch of people who are just, you know, rejects from society who end up in a not necessarily breakfast club style 
of uh, but kind of Breakfast Club yes. style, and they make fun of that a little bit. Yep, they do. Um, community community college study group, and the the show plays on genres. So they have like an entire. They'll have an episode that is based on like uh, uh, classic feel good sports movies. Trampoline. Oh yes, uh, oh, they yes. have yes, of course. Every single, they have an episode in every season that is um, about a paintball fight, and it's based on, like, one of them was styled after Die Hard. Yep. Another one was styled what? after a zombie movie. Yep. Oh, they, they, had, they had a zombie movie one as well. Yeah. And, and there was a Western, horror. and then the Western merged Western. into, no, I'm sorry, it started out as Star Wars, and then, no, it started yep. out as Western, and then it merged into Star Wars. Yep. Yep. It was a, it was a, it was a it's, two-parter. It's a show that plays with genre, and it's a show that is very aware that it's playing with genre, and is poking fun at the audience as well while it's playing with genre. And it pulls this off so particularly well, I think, because the main character that is the impetus for all of this meta that is really doing a lot of the exposition that will openly call like, oh yeah, we've moved we've moved into a more of a Star Wars theme. Or like, oh, yeah. it's a bottle episode. I might as well sit in the corner with a bucket Are over my head. Are we doing a bottle episode? Are we yeah. doing a bottle episode? Right, yeah. Uh, is, okay, I guess we're doing a bottle I episode. Guess, oh, okay, I guess. <laughs> right, uh, the chaos theory, the dice rolling. Oh my God. Uh, yeah. Uh, Abed. Uh, Careful, so our, Jeff. If you do that again, you're opening up six different realities. Yeah. It's, right. It's just so good. <laughs> it's but uh, it's it's Abed who is our Aspie. He he has Aspergers, right? Mm -hmm. And so he, his his Aspergers basically empowers him as a character to be meta. And he's also a film creator, right? So he's a, he's a he's a film writer, and he is uh, an Aspie. So his meta and his obsession with pop culture allows him to basically be that voice of exposition. I thought it was really interesting. My husband's also been obsessed with the show and he has listened to basically every episode of Harmontown that has ever uh -huh, been created. Yeah. Um, and nope, I totally forgot what I was, what I was going to say. I'll remember it after you get done talking. Great. Well, I was going to say um, the one thing about this show and it's just the one thing is in the first couple of seasons, there are a lot of homophobic jokes. And Chevy Chase, I mean. Yes. And it does not age well. No. If you can get past that, there is a lot of good in this show. Yeah, no, Chevy Chase is, is asshole untapped. He really is. <laughs> yes. Well, he plays himself. Yeah. Yes, he does. It very Pretty much, much so. yeah. And you can tell that he and the cast hated one another. And like mm -hmm. towards the end of his tenure there, they're literally writing episodes in ways that he doesn't have to ever interact with them because that's how bad things were. Yeah. It's uh, it's a show that like it does benefit from the meta knowledge of the things that you understand were happening as they were making the show. Because it kind of gives you some perspective as to why certain episodes were written certain ways. Right. So the whole thing with uh, with Dan Harmon and what was the, the name of the one writer who who uh, they were in like an emotionally abusive relationship, yeah, which yeah. and it was it was not good. But you could kind of tell that certain aspects of that situation were kind of bleeding into the show itself. Um, it's a fascinating watch, and it is really, really, really funny and groundbreaking for its time. Highly, highly, like as as sh I won't I won't put it quite on the same pedestal as like Chappelle show, but it's on a it's, similar level uh, yeah, of comedy. It, 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 well, it is, and I think for be it is because it is so psychologically rich, right? And 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 yeah. consistent and and accurate. One of the comments that I thought I did remember what I was going to say um that really opened the show up to me from a psychology point of view, not to be Britta. <laughs> getting rid of the bee. We're getting rid of Britta. Oh god, she's pulling We're a Britta. Getting rid of the bee. She's a no yeah. good bee. Um is that Dan Harmon initially wrote Jeff as himself. Mm -hmm. But then he realized that he was Abed. But then he realized, I don't know, in like season two or three, he was like, oh, they're all different aspects of myself. 
mm-hmm. right? So Britta is like the overworked activist aspect of myself. Jeff is who I would be if I was pretty because he's really egomaniacal. Abed is yes. like, right? <laughs> and so he goes through and these are all, de- Chevy is the asshole who mm-hmm. says things that he shouldn't, right? And I think that when you think of it from that type of psychology, um, there's just, yeah, the it, the the evolution of the characters, the, it's, it's always psychologically rich and consistent and yeah it's fun for being a sitcom it's it, it was it was the perfect sitcom for the perfect time when it came out all right and so here's uh, i will rewatch the show but i am waiting for a very particular reason and because i'm irish i'm going to stretch out this story so uh there is a podcast called the office ladies Mm-hmm. All right, with Angela Kinsey and Jenna Fisher. All I know right, where you're going with this. When okay. they when it first came out, you know, I was like, "Oh, we're gonna watch The Office," you know, along with them. And it took all of two episodes where me and my wife were like, "Nope, we're just gonna watch The Office," and we finished the entire series of The Office by like episode six of The Office Ladies. Because we just, it's The Office, we love it. So, but in her, I think it might have been episode five, maybe four, uh, Ken Jong was in Earwolf Studios. Mm-hmm. Uh, and uh, he was talking because he had a, a, a guest appearance on The Office Ladies. And so he was talking with Jenna and Angela, and in walks Joel McHale. And Joel McHale and Ken have the chemistry. Oh, yeah. This amazing, amazing chemistry. Oh, yeah. And they just start ripping on each other. And all of a sudden, Angela's like, well, this should be the podcast or rewatch podcast of Community. And wouldn't you know, there is a podcast. The darkest timeline. The darkest timeline. And Joel McHale. And they're only on episode 11. So, based on my past experience... I cannot start watching Community because I will burn through it. I need a greater buildup of this podcast. And then I can start watching along with Ken and uh, Joel. You know, and uh, by all, it's it's not, it's more of a, they answer questions about Community and the life and coronavirus and everything in between. But I want more episodes to build up. That's fair. Uh, so I can listen to them. And then watch Community at the same time. That's so fair. the next the next show that I actually really want to do this to is uh, is a show that actually just recently got its own podcast as well. Uh, the podcast is called Fake Doctors Real Friends, <laughs> and it is the podcast of the rewatch of the TV show Scrubs. Oh God! Scrubs, which I don't believe is currently on any streaming platform. Wait for mm-hmm. it. Netflix will get it eventually. I, I, I hope so, because that's... Sh- okay, speaking of that's shows that are so good. That's what Netflix is good at, good, baby. Yeah. Scrubs was, like, again, one of those shows that was just so perfect for its time when it came out. So, can I can I give you a weird anecdote of my life? Yeah, please. Uh, I never watched Scrubs at its, like, inception and heyday, mm-hmm. uh, like, when I was in college... Until I went over to Europe. And so I was uh, working at an archaeological field school in Ireland. Shut up. Shut up, Kevin. <laughs> yep. Just sh- shut up. Shut and, your baby butt chin face. And, <laughs> and we had, we, we had a, a small little 13-inch television, you know, with rabbit ears that got, like, you know, whatever BBC channels that, that came in and uh, uh, people are, co- you know, it's like, Oh, we're going to watch some TV. I'm like, scrubs is on. I was like, wasn't that some American like bullshit? Like, come on. I don't watch this. Why are you guys watching it? You know, <laughs> like I'm American. I should know better. And then I sat down and I watched it with people from all over the world. And I fell in love with, this show that was my my country, you know, that, that we were responsible for. And I was just like, man, this is really good. Why have I never watched this? What have I been watching? 
it's mainly anime. And I look at uh, a girl who is from uh, Tokyo, uh, Anya, uh, uh, Aya, and uh, I kind of like look at her, and I was like, "Do you watch this?" And she's like, "Absolutely." It's like, huh? Okay. <laughs> Don't I feel like a jackass? <laughs> Don't you feel like a weeb? That's yeah. <laughs> I'd like to throw in one more very, very, very loosely related tangential personal point. Uh, in regards to Joel McHale from Community, Joel McHale from Community. Also, super quick side note: Why will Netflix not bring back the Joel McHale show with Joel McHale? Because nobody watched it. <gasps> nobody watched it. That's the I wa- problem. Like I watched. I watched. The soup. I, I did watch it. I, I did enjoy it. it. Yeah, Sorry. but nobody. But like, we were the only three people in the world That's, that watched. It makes me it. very That's sad. The whole reason why? For, for, it's the whole reason why the Michelle Wolf show, which was also really great, got canceled as well. It's because nobody watched it. Well, yeah. I, I discovered in, in lieu of more Joel McHale show with Joel McHale episodes, uh, my husband disco- discovered and showed me a thing on YouTube, which is apparently there was a time during Joel McHale and his wife's marriage when his wife was busy and he had like small child, small children. And so there was this period of time when Joel was going on interviews with his small child in tow. And there's this like, <laughs> and just baller, just cold going on interviews. And there's this one with Keith Olbermann, like big talk show. And he just shows up and Keith, uh, uh, no. And Keith is like, you appear to have a baby with you. And he's like, oh, yeah, I found him on 55th Street, picked him up, whatever. And they proceed to do the entire interview while this, like, 18-month that's ready to crawl is, like, banging on the table and getting, like, a wet diaper. And it makes my ovaries hurt so much. (laughs) I feel like Joel McHale is the Walmart brand of Ryan Reynolds. Yeah, yeah, perfect. is not it's you're more not handsome for the man who's famous for being handsome. <laughs> <laughs> oh, sorry. All right. Oh God, damn. Joel McHale. Joel McHale and his baby on interviews. You appear to have a baby with you. Mm, makes me feel good. It's my happy place. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I'm I, I'm going to do a hard transition Please. because Greg, I think you had one more thing you wanted to talk about before we put a bow on this baby. Oh, I just launched a Twitch channel, which you can listen to (gasps) or watch as the time of this recording. It's called The Off-Air Arcade. You can follow me at uh, Cafe3G on Twitch. Um, And I'm just going to play video games and do my radio BS. And it's going to be so much fun. Like, I've been super hyped to get this started up. Uh, The game that I've been playing or I started playing this week was uh, Into the Breach, which is one of my favorite games of all time now. Um, I'm going to play, I'm going to start off with some super old school style games, some retro style games, because it's all my computer can handle. And then as I gradually get my current computer, uh, up and running and built, uh, I'm going to transition into, uh, some switch games. And, um, this Friday, if you are listening to this, we, every single Friday, we are going to be playing, you don't know Jack, and it will be an audience participation style game as well. We call that. It's freaking finally Friday. Uh, yeah, so join me. Twitch.tv slash Cafe3G. Woohoo! Uh, uh, Marjorie, anything you need to plug while uh, you got a microphone in front of you? A uh, sexy black microphone. Mm, so round and pointy. Um, <clears throat> I actually do. Uh, for visual effect for, uh, for the two of you, uh, Cosgirl issue number one origins is actually literally in print i'm flipping through the pages right now i was thinking about like trying to talk you into like letting me like read like a poem or something absolutely but right now right now read it really yes really okay yes go Uh, okay all right hang on uh where's my cosplay tree four oh three oh i know the one i know the one okay any uh cowboy bebop fans out there oh god oh absolutely Oh, you're going to like this one. Can we drop some tank in over this right now? (laughs) Yes. Okay, I want you to just imagine that the intro, like, jazz music to Cowboy Bebop is playing, okay? Three, two, one, let's jam. A letter to Julia. Julia, 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 Julia. They say it's lonely and sad to be alone on a rainy night watching the rain fall and falling and falling and yet I have you with me all along though you've passed away 
It seems just like yesterday, the last time I held you in my arms. You said it's all a dream and left to live in my dreams, in my memory. And in a night like this, as I'm sitting on this bar stool you used to sit on, listening to the same strange lilting tune you used to smile on, and staring away at the same time and same space we used to long and belong together, is a word I've been thinking recently. Perhaps there is something we shouldn't begin. I've quit smoking. Perhaps you too would still be alive if I didn't tell you I loved you. But you're as naive as me, as naive as lovers in a dream. I've decided to take my right eye off, the one that only sees the past. It's been blurring my vision since the day you left, making it hard for me to shoot and fight. Yet even now, without it, I write with tears in my eyes. And that's fine. That's fine. That's why I write. To keep these feelings safe before they fade with age and time. Before I grow too numb and hard to cry. Spike Spiegel. And this is written by John Ron Ant, who you can find on Medium and Twitter. Fantastic. Uh, you can purchase this entire issue. It is not all poetry. There is also fiction and essays and uh, some lovely, fun fan fiction. You can purchase it uh, at uh, Cosgirl with three R's, C O S G R R R L dot com and click on shop, or you can visit press.creativeonion.me. Fantastic. Uh, honestly, thank you for sharing that. No, thank you for uh, letting me. Oh, it was and, incredibly powerful. That was yeah. awesome. It's beautiful, right? Yeah. Yeah. No, I, I, like I said, I'm, I'm so proud of this. There are so many really, really talented writers. You know, people think that I'm, I've published my work or that I've self-published. I have some pieces in here, but there are more talented writers than me, and I'm really, really happy to give them a voice here. So thanks for letting me read it. Uh, and uh, I'm going to personally promote one uh, charity that I love is Modest Needs. Uh, because uh, the lockdown has us all, you know, at home, and for a lot of people, it's not making money, and some people are hurting out there, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, if you are one of those people, and you don't necessarily know how to ask friends and family, do a put it out there for modest needs, put an application in, tell them, my car broke down, I need, I need it fixed or my furnace is about to go out, or my water heater is leaking. Put it out there. They will give you a platform for people to donate, whether it's $1, whether it's $2, whether it's $500. They will help you pay for your bills in this time of need. Uh, there, there's been some great uh, splurges, like Modest Needs got a lot of money this past fall because of vulgarity for charity for... Several different podcasts that that chimed in, but uh, they're working their way through that money pretty quickly right now, and so they need they need an extra hand in there. So if you can give give if you need help, fill out an application so we can help you. And that's it for this week in the Court of Nerds. Uh, we will see you whenever we next record. Bye bye. This podcast made possible by our good friends at Tardy's Collector's Corner. Like them on Facebook, follow them on Twitter and Instagram, and be sure you're checking for all the latest and greatest at Tardy's.